They say it's in your blood, a game that can't be won, only played. A love affair, it satisfies the soul and frustrates the intellect. The greatest game ever played, golf. It's real. And this is Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper, son of legendary golfer Billy Casper. Talking golf with you for more than two decades. And now, here's Brian and Bob. Well, thank you very much and welcome in to show number two, year 25 of Real Golf Radio. I'm Brian Taylor alongside Bob Casper. So good to be with you. Hit us up on our website at realgolfradio.com. You can find us on X at Real Golf or Real Golf Radio on any of the uh, so other social media sites. Also, find us on SiriusXM, iHeartRadio, our flagship station, 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found on your favorite digital platform. That's where you will find us as well, and thank you for tuning in. By the way, through our 25 years of doing this show, there has been a thing known as Casper Karma, and it, <laughs> has, it was quite prevalent in the beginning and then it's kind of waned a little bit i'm really happy to see that it has come on strong here in 2024 you're gonna hear from troy merritt we had a chance to catch up with him wednesday after his practice round and visit with him about the beginning of the year and what does he do bob he goes out and shoots 68 66 and he's tied for fifth at six under par all right that's what i'm talking about yeah this is uh this is new top 10 troy we're gonna call him yeah. He got a couple of top tens in the fall that ended up getting him right on the number to keep his card. And then he's now playing his first event of 2024 in this season. And here he is tied for fifth. So again, hopefully he goes on to win, which would be outstanding. His 13th Ooh. year on the PGA tour. Yeah. And he's out there, um, you know, making a, a first good showing. You're going to hear him talk about how he thinks he's got his putting short up. And some of the other things about his, the challenges of being a professional golfer after through 13 years on the PGA tour and uh, some other insights about his game and tour and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's a good one. So stay tuned for that. Plus we are going to get you some insights on the new Callaway paradigm smoke uh, driver, fairway woods, hybrids, irons. That's all coming up. Plus America's favorite caddy is going to stop by and we have to ask him a couple of things. The best of social has to be Kevin Kisner on the Smiley Kaufman podcast telling that story about President's Cup pairing with Phil Mickelson and and something to do with an astronomer and Kiz's belly. So, yeah, (laughs) uh, if you haven't heard it, we'll we'll play some of that from Smiley's (laughs) Smiley's podcast and we'll get the caddy's take on that. We're just getting started. Thanks for being with us here on Real Golf Radio. Back to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. Welcome back. It's Real Golf Radio brought to you in part by Black Desert Resort in St. George, Utah. The website is blackdesertresort.com. Go check it out. This is where you can book your tee time to play this brand new Tom Weiskopf Championship course, which, by the way, hit Golf Digest. I think, no, it was Golf Week's top 100 resorts in America. It already mm. debuted at 26. It hasn't even Ooh. opened for a year yet. 
The resort's not like even that. open yet. I mean, this is unbelievable. You can also be a part of some exclusive real estate opportunities at blackdesertresort.com. The Black Desert Championship, by the way, in the FedEx Cup fall coming in October. The Ladies LPGA Black Desert Championship coming the following May. So uh, a lot is going on there. A lot is happening. You're going to hear more and more about Black Desert Resort uh, as they are committed to the PGA and the LPGA Tour and putting together a world-class resort in uh, the beautiful southern Utah, the most beautiful part of southern Utah, right there at the base of Snow Canyon. And uh, it's just unbelievable stuff. BlackDesertResort.com. All right, Bob. Uh, let's let's get to the, the Sony Open because we got to give, yeah. as we mentioned, got to get a little love to, uh, to Troy Merritt. You know, tr- you, you can look at Troy's game, and in the second round, five birdies and a bogey to shoot 66. Now, it's been windy conditions out there. Uh, it can be pretty tough. So if you've got some flaws... Sea level into the wind will really amplify those flaws. So yes. obviously Troy was telling us what he was telling us when he said his game felt pretty good. Yeah. The interesting thing is in the first round, he had, what, six birdies and two doubles. Whoa. Mm. Um, but so he's he's not lacking for making birdies. And then in the second round, uh, only one bogey and uh, was able to shoot 66, four under par, so five birdies. So he's made a bunch of birdies, um, had a couple of mistakes, but I'll tell you what, you know, starting out the beginning of the year, not missing a cut, tied for fifth after the first two rounds at six under par, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he does the rest of the rest of the weekend. Yeah, it's a guy that's, again, just starting his 13th year out there on the PGA Tour. He's got a pair of wins under his belt, a good one. He won Tiger's event and then uh, won the Barbasol as well. So, but it's been a while. He hasn't hasn't won for a few years and was battling to get his card. Finished number 125, but then when Rom left for live, it bumped him up a spot. So he officially finished 124 when it was all said right. and done. But he's 222nd in the world rankings. He was up inside the top 100, I think, near the beginning of last year. And then he went on that streak of, what, 14 consecutive missed cuts. And things yeah. just weren't going good. He's got some health issues and some different things like that. But, um yeah, really, really excited for his start. Here's here's hoping he has a good one the, the rest of yeah. this week. You yeah. know, a couple other things coming out of the Sony this week. Gary Woodland returned to action. And I'll tell you what, uh, there was a lot of video posted about what Gary Woodland shared, the experience that he went through in discovering the tumor, the, the lesion, I should say, that he had on his brain that resulted in brain surgery. And, man, that's some scary stuff. Yeah, he was also saying that... Uh what a baseball size hole they had to open up in his skull mm. to uh, be able to get rid of that lesion. But he was having um, seizures and um, didn't feel or didn't feel like he was ever going to be the same again or that the sickness was going to go away and it got solved. And it's awesome to see him out playing this week. Um, the first week of the full um, complement of players on the PGA tour there at the Sony and, uh, Excited for him. Yeah, it was interesting. He said it was on the part of his brain that caused anxiety and fear. So it was pushing on that and triggering. He's like, I've never been a worrier. And all of a sudden had all this anxiety, like he was afraid for his life. Can you imagine all of a sudden just waking? You know, those strange things like that happen. And for him to, you know, go and find out what it was, thankfully it was benign. It wasn't anything like cancerous that they would have had to, or they would have had to gone inside the brain a little bit. So they got everything out that they could. And, you know, so far, so good on, on, on his recovery. But, man, that's uh, some wild stuff. Wishing Gary Woodland all the best in that one uh, for sure. And then Will Zalatoris. 
uh, back playing, and he's using, you know, it was interesting last week watching the century. Akshay Batia had a great mm-hmm. uh, tournament, and he's using that long broom-style putter. And then you see Willie Z playing the long broom-style putter, and, you, you know, and basically Zalatoris is saying, if I'd have known about this 10 years ago, I would have gone to it. They said it feels <laughs> like it's going to turn what has been a little bit of a bugaboo in his game to a real strength. I just was curious what your take is on this because, you know, I remember when the broom kind of, I don't want to say, I, I think it's been around longer than this, but I remember when it started to get a little bit popular, VJ and some other guys were using it, uh, oh, yeah. some of the champion store guys. I remember we were at San Diego Country Club with your dad, and he goes, let me see this thing. Somebody had one, and I was tinkering with it. He goes, let me see that, and I handed it to him, and he held that thing up there, and this was back when they anchored it to the chest, right? Right. And he sat up there, and he goes, and he just knocked in about five putts in a row, and he goes, this is cheating. <laughs> I mean, just first time ever even picking it up. So anyway, not that they can anchor anymore, but what's your take on that whole broom style and 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 what they're saying? Well, the, guy, the first guy to really kind of set it on its ear was Orville Moody. And Orville Moody was a guy that won a U.S. Open um, when he was playing on tour. Phenomenal ball striker, but probably the worst putter ever and was able to win a U.S. Open. But when he got to the Champions Tour or the PGA Tour Champions, he was a world beater because he started using the broom-style putter. So Mm. that's kind of how it all started. But, um, you know, as long as a guy doesn't anchor it now, um, and it, it's a way for him to keep, you know, get that left elbow or right elbow if he's putting uh, left-handed, get that pointed at the hole and moving it at the hole, and it allows a guy to just put it right down the line. Um, Will Zalatoris is is excited about it. Akshay Batia also, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. Bernard Longer uses it. Uh, you know, Adam Scott, a whole bunch of the guys use it. Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of, and it was really frowned upon, right? And and Adam yeah. Scott broke the major curse, right? right? Nobody had won with that long putter in a major championship. Well, you just talked about Orville Moody, but yeah. um, it seemed. But be- that wasn't that wasn't the broom style putter. Mm. That was uh, he used to putt cross handed. Oh, okay. Before right. that, right. yep. So that that major championship win, um, you know, sort of broke the curse of the long putter, and I think it opened the door to more. More players, but you know, I thought once they quit anchoring it, it would be even harder to stand up there and, and and not let that thing move around with the top hand, you know, being as it was. But you know, somehow, what what kind of caught my attention, Bob, was Zalatoris saying he can just see the putter go back and through the ball and right down the line easier than he could with his setup of a standard length putter. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So back back when they when the USGA banned the anchoring. There was a lot of talk around, you know, should they just change the length of the the putters? Right. Like it can't be right. any, it has to be the shortest club in your bag or whatever, right? There's a lot of that. They decided not to do that, and now you're seeing some adaptation of that move that that is now not anchored, but setting up in a way that I guess, especially for a guy coming off back surgery at so young, being able to stand a little taller has got to be some uh, really pain relief as well. Yeah, these guys, they're amazing with their abilities to play and their abilities to hit the golf ball and putt the golf ball. When the USGA came out with the idea of rolling the golf ball back and and a little bit and that kind of thing, you know what? These guys will figure it out, and they'll find a way to make it happen. 
whatever it takes. And um, you can see that with Will Zalatoris and some of the other guys going to this broom style putter. But these guys are phenomenal players and they can make they can adapt it and make it right. Should I try it? I don't think so. Why? Because. Well, because you must be against it then. I I I don't I don't want to use it. I didn't ask you if you wanted to. I said, do you think I should? I wouldn't say yeah, I'm a great go putter. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you just that's... make sure you don't change the putter grip on it either. <laughs> <laughs> I I would. Would you say I'm a good putter, Bob? Yeah, you're a good putter. You'd say that, really? You'd say I'm a good yeah. putter. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, then I won't change. You get a little streaky and you get going, baby. Okay, I I can get streaky. That's true. I don't know yes. if that means I'm a good putter, yeah. though. I mean, yeah. I, I would say if I'm feeling like I'm my best putter, that's probably the worst putting that Zalatoris has. Oh. Uh, no? I don't know. I don't think so. I would say the best I can putt is the worst a tour player could putt. So if that's the maybe it's all about getting in the hole, that's for sure. <laughs> all right, all right. Hey, uh, speaking of uh, as we teased, uh, Troy Merritt had a chance to catch up with him from Hawaii uh, on Wednesday after he finished up some practice and talked to him. One of the things is putting, and he's got a new putter in play. He'll tell us about that and where he's at and preview the upcoming season. Troy Merritt from Hawaii, currently six under par and in contention after two rounds. Troy joins us next here on Real Golf Radio. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Talking golf with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. One day you'll get it. Here's Brian and Bob. All right, welcome back to the show. It's Brian Taylor, Bob Casper. You're listening to Real Golf Radio and joined by our good friend right now who's kicking his 13th year on the PGA Tour off this week at the Sony Open in Hawaii. Troy Merritt joins us from the islands. Troy, aloha. How are you? Yeah, how y'all doing? Uh, thanks for uh, having me back. I mean, you say kicking off the 13th year, that makes me feel old. I can't imagine how y'all are feeling. <laughs> well done. Wait, 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 wait. There you go. That's what you wanted for that yeah, one. Yeah, right. <laughs> we need that one up. Well, I figured I had some retribution coming when I threw out a little social media post uh, showing you as your name as the ball boy and my name as the uh, player on the state championship um, roster from back in 1992. So I was teasing ball boy a little bit on social. So I figured there was an old man reference coming anytime soon. So well played, well played. No, no, those are, those are the, the, the glory years. I mean, there, <laughs> there's nothing to make fun of back then. <laughs> oh, I, I simply said it's probably the only time that Troy and my name will be on the same program uh, for, that's for right. anything. I saw that. So, yeah. so that's that's probably how that's going to go down. But, uh, hey, congratulations, though. 13 years. I mean, I don't know the statistics, Troy, but the, I don't suspect or what the average length of a, a player who gets his PGA Tour card, how many of those players, what percentage make it past year 10, let alone into year 13 and beyond. But I'm guessing it's a fairly low percentage. I don't have those percentages either, but I'm, I'm guessing they dwindle each year that you stay out here. I'm, I'm sure I'm uh, in the sub 50% category by now, but you never know. <laughs> what What would you say in after 13 years, what's the biggest challenge of keeping your card on the PGA tour? Uh, not listening to all the outside noise telling you that you have to play a different style of golf that you've played your whole life. And in this case, it's chasing speed, getting the power, hitting it further. I appreciate all of that, but, you know, I've been out here now 
through 12 years. Obviously, we would have liked to have more success, but clearly the game's good enough to be out here. And if I can just keep doing what I do and fine-tune that, I should be out here for a little while longer. You know, it was interesting. Um, when, when I played professionally, my dad always used to say to me, don't get donkey ears. In other words, don't have your ears so focused on everything else and then what everybody's telling you. And like you said, all that outside noise that it causes you to go away from your game. And, and that's awesome. And because you haven't, that's why where you're at, uh, at, at 12 years and going into your 13th. Yeah. I mean, I learned that lesson from a, a young age when the kids in my age group all pounded it past me, but I you know, learned how to play my own game, you know, try to get the ball in play, get it up and down, make good par saving putts and, and as a result, I was one of the top juniors in Idaho growing up, even though I didn't hit it near as far as any of my competition. So, you know, learning that lesson early on in life has probably helped throughout my career on the PGA Tour. Troy Merritt joining us here. I think that's really good perspective, uh, playing your own game, staying within yourself, trying to avoid. And it's got to be pretty easy to look left, look right, when you're standing on a driving range with the world's best players on any side, either side of you, huh? Yeah, and, and, and in that instance, you go into more of fan mode and an appreciation of golf mode and just enjoy it for what it is and try not to replicate it. Mm. <laughs> just play, play, uh, do what you do out on the driving range. I mean, people stop and, you know, watch me flush it from time to time or we'll sit there and talk about the putting stroke from time to time, especially when I'm rolling it well. So uh, it's, it's not like I'm no slouch out there. Everybody obviously does what they do very well and, that's just kind of how you have to look at it. You just have to appreciate, you know, what they do and, uh, and then get back to your own business. I thought, so I, sorry, real quick, ahead. Bob. I thought I knew the, I thought I was going to get one of two answers from you when I asked you about the most difficult thing being out there that long. I thought it was either going to be something about mental or something about physical, you know, with the, the travel and the time away from family and others or the physical toll that, you know, swinging that number of times um, and walking that many miles could have on your body. What would you speak to or say to those two elements of, of being out there on tour that long? Yeah, I mean, especially the, uh, well, both sides. I mean, the mental side, just trying to stay, you know, sharp. You know, when you play basically, you know, the same tournaments at the same courses year in and year out, you have a, that opportunity to get complacent, you know, and, and just go through the motions. So that's definitely a part of it. And I think a, a good way to get through that is you're battling, you know, the best players in the world and, and you battle against all these young kids that are just so good these days that you still have to go out there and, and play the, your best golf and you have no uh, room to get complacent. So uh, that one is, should take care of itself. And as, you know, as far as the physical outside goes, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. As um, I've gotten older, I actually feel a little bit uh, younger uh, right now. My body, I mean, I still have a, a little bit of pain, but uh, the bursitis I've been dealing with in my right deltoid and shoulder since June, uh, I'm getting it to subside a little bit right now. And, I had some coming in on the left side about a month ago and I couldn't even get through the ball, but uh, I've gone ahead and been able to get that cleared up as well. So I'm starting to feel a little bit uh, less pain than I'm used to. Um, so maybe that's a good thing. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm feeling all right these days. That's awesome. So having said um, the mon I don't know if it was monotony or whatever of, of, of playing the same courses year after year after year, are there certain courses, Troy, that you play or that events that you go to that you're just kind of 
rubbing your hands going, man, I can't wait to play this week because I love this golf course. Yeah, I mean, I would say that that's most weeks just, just for the simple fact that I love to play the game and I love to play tournament golf. Uh, if you want to take that a step higher, I mean, I, I and you know my results of shown the last handful of years is I love getting to Detroit and playing the rocket mortgage. Uh, I mean, there are other stops that I've had some good success at as well that unfortunately not going to be able to play as of right now this year, Pebble and Hilton had, I got to play my way into those, but, uh, uh, yeah, rocket mortgage yeah, up at, uh, up in Detroit has been one for me that I've loved getting there. I mean, last year it, uh, it cut snapped a 14, uh, missed truck, uh, missed, uh, cut streak for me. And, uh, it's just one of those places I, I really like the course. I, I like the area, even though it's a lot different than what I grew up in. And, and I just like the challenge for what it is. And, and for some reason have done really well there. Troy Merritt joining us here on real golf radio. You brought up the schedule and there are some changes as you sit here. I'm guess you've had some time to sort of process everything around this new schedule and the cadence of it all. One of the things you told us early on is you just hoped that there was the opportunity for guys like you to have the opportunity to play their way into these signature events so that you could have the opportunity to take advantage of those elevated purses and such. Are, are you good with the way it has shook out or what are your, what are your feelings at this point surrounding the way it's set up for you this year? You know, for, for what it is, I think it is extremely fair, you know, for guys like myself that did not qualify to get into the, the signature events. I mean, if, if, if you win now, you can get in. And we have uh, basically a reshuffle list uh, in between each signature event where if you're in the top five, not already qualified, you get to get into the signature event, basically rewarding the guys that are playing the best at that time to get in and play against the best from last year. So I think it's a very fair system. Um, you know, the tour wants to reward those that are playing the best and those that are winning. And I, I have no issues with it. So talking about schedule playing this week at Sony, what, what uh, events will you play in on the West coast and going into Florida as well? Well, the nice thing with the signature events is that um, you can pretty much set your schedule for the whole year if you're not in them, and I'm not in them. So right now, that's 22 events before the playoffs get here. Uh, it's absolutely every tournament uh, that's not a signature event. So on the West Coast, that would be uh, the Sunday and then American Express next week uh, in La Quinta, and then uh, the Farmers at Torrey Pines, and then you get a week off, and then uh, you go to Phoenix. And then you get a week off, and then you get hit in the head with seven in a row starting at PGA National in West Palm. So it's, uh, it's a busy first couple months. I mean, you're basically playing, what's that, 11 out of 13 weeks. Um, you know, it's a lot more than I would like to, but uh, uh, like I said, got got to play. Got to play everything that you get into so you have the, the best odds of uh, keeping your job by the end of the season. So it's kind of a different uh, setup than the guys that are in the designated events. They they plan their schedule around those events and then figure whatever other events they can kind of fit in. And this is, I guess, the exact opposite. So in the sense, if you're in that category of playing the de- the signature events, you almost can play less. It sounds like than if you're not. No, a hundred percent. You know, and, and I think you'll see those top guys, especially you know that are up at the top of the FedEx Cup uh, standings year in and year out. You're probably only going to see them play fifteen to twenty events. I mean, I think there's seven or eight signature events, 
So they'll probably play, you know, and then obviously the majors. So now you're up to about 12 events and then they'll probably only play a handful more events outside of uh, the playoffs. You know, they're, they're, they're favorites. They'll pick and choose and who knows, they might not even play any of their regular events. So yeah, obviously uh, you're in those events and you play well and, and, uh, and and you're way up on the list. I mean, there's no reason for those guys to play more than they have to. I know uh, you're not really the political kind of guy and you don't really want to jump in and mix it up, but Mackenzie Hughes was felt compelled to uh, say some things last week and, and suggest that not everybody is feeling entitled or that the purses should be doubled and that the pressure should be on the sponsors and feels like they're, they're the, the tour's in a, in a tough spot right now. I'm just curious if you had any thoughts on what he said or if you uh, echo those sentiments. Um, I saw that uh, he sat down to speak and I saw all the words that he said. I read maybe eight of them and then I moved on. So I couldn't even tell you anything about what he said in regards to whatever question was asked of him. <laughs> but uh, nope. I mean, for me, as, as I told you guys, I'm going to go out and play where and when I can. I'll play the best of my ability. And whether or not I get the, uh, the signature events or just play the regular events for the rest of my career, as long as I can get a, a full season in and maintain my job as long as possible. That's what I'm going to do. How are you feeling about your game right now, especially starting this new year? Uh, you know what? I, uh, you know, knock on wood, I think I shored up uh, or shored up the, uh, the putting uh, last August before the playoff hit, got the yips out of there with the new putter and kind of the new setup. And I've uh, been swinging it nicely. I uh, didn't play a whole lot in the off season, but uh when I did, I struck it pretty well and, and rolled it pretty nicely. So, uh, you know, you just got to do it now uh, during crunch time. And, uh, you know, the nice thing is I, I like, you know, pretty much all the courses that we play. Haven't had the best success on the West Coast in my career. But, you know, every now and then I throw something good out there. And, uh, yeah, the body feels good. Game feels good. And I just got to put it all into action and, and play well in the tournament. You know, Troy, it's always been a little mystery because you had a lot of success on the West Coast when you were playing at Boise State in college, right? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, eight I, wins, <laughs> I think, in college, right? And most of those were on the West Coast? Yeah, we have won nine times at Boise State. All of them, uh, not all, eight of them west of the, uh, the Mississippi River. You know, actually, I take that back. All of them were... Uh, west of the Mississippi. The one time we played east down in Nashville, I think I had the 36-hole lead, and uh, I didn't get the job done down there at the old Natchez at Belmont uh, tournament. But uh, I like the West Coast. I mean, I obviously had you know poor, well, poorer finishes as well. But uh, no, I, I like the courses. I love the greens. But uh, you know, I'm playing against the best in the world, and if you don't have everything uh, clicking, you're going to get lapped and. <laughs> Uh, that's happened more often than not in my career. You and I grew up in, in Idaho. We, we grew up on those kind of grasses. You obviously play your fair share of Bermuda and other grasses, but yet, you know, is, does, how much does that, I guess, factor into, or at this point in your career, is that even, does that even factor in? You notice it. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of playing, you know, Bermuda fairways and Bermuda routes and Bermuda tee boxes. I don't mind Bermuda greens. But, uh, you know, if I had to choose a golf course where I'm going to hit shots off of a certain type of grass, I would not choose Bermuda. Mm. So what's, what's the difference between or what differences do you notice between like bent and Bermuda as far as grain and breaks and that type of thing? 
Well, for me, especially in the fairways on Bermuda, I I, uh, I tend to drag the club back in the in the backswing at the takeaway, and Bermuda at times, you know, with the grass kind of sticking up in every which way, it can get kicked off line. And if you don't stop or reroute the club correctly on the way back or coming down, ball isn't going to where you uh, or isn't going to go where you want it to go. Uh, that's the main issue I have with Bermuda, and even the contact, you know, thing. It just it looks like it's always sitting down. You know, my wedge game. I still haven't quite figured out Bermuda with the full wedge shot, but uh, you know, every now and then I hit a good one. But uh, it's just, there's just something about Bermuda fairways that uh, I don't see eye to eye with it. <laughs> hey Troy, before we let you go, uh, this is the time of year uh, coming off the off season when a lot of changes take place between contract sponsors, equipment, caddies, anything new or or uh, different with what you have going on. Uh, the only thing I have right now is I, uh, I lost one of my sponsors, Softco. Uh, they're being uh, bought up by a venture capitalist company, and they're not sure if they want to retain any athletes. So I'm one sponsor down. So if you know anybody looking to put the company logo on a collar, um, there is a price range. Uh, my agent's uh, contact info is on my Twitter handle, so uh, I'm sure he'd love to hear from anybody. I like that. And what's the equipment set up this year? Uh, same same as last year, I'm, I'm tied through the bag minus that uh, that jailbird putter that I have. Um, uh, same ball, same gloves, same shoes, uh, pretty much everything. Um, I felt like I hit it fairly nicely last year. I mean, we led the tour in uh, driving efficiency last year, which I didn't know was possible for me, but uh, I thought that was a pretty good stat to lead. So uh, no, uh, no changes for me there. How about clothes and awesome. shoes? Uh, nope, I'll look. Uh, I'll look the same this year. I'll uh, be in my rollback stuff and my Lululemon pants, um, at least for the start of the year. So uh, I'll, I'll I'll look the same out there, just a year older. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, uh, enjoy this uh, busy stretch. We'll hopefully catch up with you as as it goes along, and we certainly wish you the best. Year thirteen. I gave you the opportunity to call it your Swifty year, and you said that wasn't going to happen. But uh, nevertheless, happy Swifty year. Yeah, no, I, I've got something different. I'm kind of joking with uh, with my team saying, you know, my, my nickname in high school was 24 Carats. So 2024 is the year of 24 Carats. It's, it's new there on the go. Chinese calendar. Yeah. 24 <laughs> Carat? Oh, my. That's not one that I had heard. <laughs> I don't even know if I want to know that one. But uh, all right. Well, all right, two, all right, two 4K. Yep. That's right. It's with a K. It's not with a C. It's a K. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Always good to catch oh, up no, to you, my, my friend. Swift, not my Swift year. All right, guys. I appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you. Enjoy Hawaii. There you go. Troy Merritt joining us right here on Real Golf Radio. Really appreciate him taking some time. Really, really good dude. And wishing him all the best. So love to see him bust through and get that dub. Another one. Make it number three here in 24K. I think that works. I like it. It's got a good ring to it. We'll take a break. More of the show coming up next. Now, back to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. All right, welcome back. It's Real Golf Radio. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper. Thanks again to Troy Merritt, who joined us there. Hope you enjoyed that. And uh, like I said, there's a thing, Casper Karma, and uh, it looks to be alive and well with Troy Merritt this week at the Sony Open in Hawaii. So we'll take that. (laughs) Hey, uh, some of the news and notes uh, on the schedule coming up. We got American Express out in the desert. 
And then it's the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines. It's been that way for a long time. I I don't know the exact number, Bob, but I remember back in the day when it was part of the Buick series. I don't remember if it was the Buick Open or the Buick Invitational or the Buick Classic. or I mean, there was a lot of Buicks. There were three or four Buicks at one point in time out on the Mm -hmm. PGA Tour. And since that time, it's been the Farmers. Uh, Farmers announced that they've only got two more years of this, and then they're out on the PGA Tour. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, that is. Um, so it's this year and next year, and then uh, starting in 2026, they're done. So the PGA Tour will go into uh, film mode now to to get some sponsors from the local area or a sponsor from the local area to uh, fill in that that. But, you know, they've got... Um, and by film mode, one. you mean F-I-L-L, not P-H-I-L. Yes. Just, just, wanted, yes, just wanted to clarify. Correct. Bob's not yeah. saying that the tour is about to go in, in, in full film, film mode. As in Mickelson. Okay, all right. That's correct. I just had to throw that Um, And uh, they've also got to um, fill the Wells Fargo Championship after this year, too. So um, it's going to be, hopefully, not too many more are going to continue to drop off. But we've had three in the probably the last little while. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? These tournament sponsors. I don't think there was ever a chance that I was ever going to buy a Buick. I'm just saying. But yeah. I but I was bummed when Buick left because it just felt like that's what it should be called. Correct. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like there's a, the identity that they form with the actual event is is something. Like it means something, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that we're not going to have the Honda this year. I, right. I mean, when people say the Honda, it means something, and that's what they're paying for, right? You become synonymous with an event. But if they're saying, "Hey, we're a, we're a PGA National." You know, for the bear trap, I, I mean, whatever the tournament happens to be, it just doesn't quite hold the, because there's no legacy there, right? And I yeah. think that's why it's been tough to accept things like range goats and other things. There's just, there's no legacy. There's no history. There's no, so anyway, whatever comes in, it's going to be a tough fill, but it's a huge opportunity. I think farmers did a really nice job with their, with their marketing uh, around not only just the the event, but pulling in Ricky Fowler and you know some yeah. of the other guys that were involved with Farmers Insurance. So, um, yeah, I, I we're it's it's always kind of a bummer when what to me when you lose a great sponsor like a Honda or a Farmers or a Wells Fargo or something like that. The Wachovia, because in our area we didn't have a lot of Wachovia banks. I didn't have that mm-hmm. association as much. But Wells Fargo, right. I mean, you know, it's That's, been around for yeah, a long time nationwide. Yeah. Nationwide, one of the top five. Um, You know, along with what you were saying about a great opportunity for sponsors, you know, you think about um, the Corn Ferry Tour. And when that announcement came out, it was like, what? What's Corn Ferry? You know, and here we are um, still clipping along with the developmental tour for the PGA Tour. And it's it's the Corn Ferry Tour and they're well into their sponsorship and it's working out fine. What's what's Corn Ferry, Bob? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's a it's an insurance and investment group there you go i think that's that's my understanding but yeah okay it is it has nothing to do with uh mythical characters delivering corn or planting corn right i agree so yep anyway that's right. <laughs> oh my yeah well hey good for them um they yeah. obviously knew when they when they made the name of that business, they obviously knew it was going to be. Um, here's something. Golf Digest, they had an article that quoted Phil as saying, quote, I'm not the right guy for the job. 
when he, it refers to being the next Ryder Cup captain at Beth Page right. Black. He went on to say he's too divisive, and as a Ryder Cup captain, you need to be a unifier. And he understands that probably there's enough PGA Tour players that hold animosity and divisiveness about him. So he's he's basically saying, look, I get it. I'm not the right guy for the job. What's your, t- what's your take on this move by Phil to kind of get out ahead of the story? No. Too divisive? Come on. No way. No, Phil, um, don't get me wrong. Phil's been a phenomenal player from his time in college all the way through the PGA Tour. He won a PGA Tour event as an amateur and then graduated college before he officially turned professional. But Phil is a guy that's won, what, 30-something, 40 times? No, 40, you know. 42 or 44. I can't yeah, 42, I think, is what it is, yeah. Um, major championships, all that kind of thing. Probably next to Tiger, um, the best player that not, we've not, seen not in the generation. Oh, yeah, it's not no, probably. But, yeah, but, but here he is, especially in his wanting years of his career, winning at the age of 51 in the in the PGA Championship, and then going on the tirade that he's done for the last couple of years with Live Golf and the PGA Tour and the Venom and everything. And I think it's exactly spot on for him to even, well, first of all, to even think that he was going to get a the presidency for the Ryder Cup is one thing, but it's good that he bowed out early before it even happened. It was a no-brainer. He would have been Beth Page. Absolutely. Or he would have been Italy. He probably would have been Italy in front of Zach Johnson, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. There was that debate, which who was going to get Beth Page, Phil or Tiger? Yeah. And so and I think that's what they're waiting for right now is for Tiger to decide if he wants to do it. But Phil would have been a great captain. Are you kidding me? It would have been one of the most entertaining captaincies ever because Phil, as the man in charge, would have been in his ultimate element, right? I mean, he would have been holding court at every opportunity, and he would have been disseminating his wisdom. And And the players would have been laughing all the way along. But they they would have cracked up about it. I mean, the stories would have been (laughs) endless from Phil's captaincy. I mean, we're going to play a little bit of uh, Kisner's comments about, you know, playing with Phil back in the President's Cup. I mean... But yeah, Phil would have been Phil would have been so fun and entertaining, right? And you think yeah. I still go back to that moment. Coming off of becoming the oldest major championship winner in mm-hmm. history. And it was it, he had the golf world in the palm of his hand and he just threw it on the ground and squashed it with his heel in the mud. Yep. What? yep. And it just it's it still amazes me that a guy in his position. Look, I we've talked about this ad nauseum. Lee Westwood and company, knock yourselves out. Poulter, yep. not go for it, man. You want more Ferraris yep. in your garage? I, I have nothing to. Bl- that that's your chance. It's a that to me it was a glorified senior tour invitational a little bit early, yep. but for Phil Mickelson, I mean, it's, it still is astonishing to me that he would take the reputation that he had. He was going to be in the booth. He was going. He had the keys to the golf kingdom. And he just chucked him away to go jump on board with Greg Norman. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. Now you can look back on it all these years and you can say, well, look what it's done. You know, even Jack Nicholas said, this is quite a mighty force. You know, uh, Brando Chambly now saying the best thing to do is to, is that they join forces. Okay. But is that a win? Is what everything that we went through the last couple, is that a win? I'm not so sure. You got sponsors dropping off. You got fractured, yeah. a fractured sport. 
Um, you know, th- this thing, these things that have happened in the past haven't exactly been the best thing for a particular sport. When you look at, you know, lockouts, holdouts, um, picket lines and other things in other sports with when, when they're going through some contract negotiations or, or what have you. But anyway, uh, we'll see how it's all going to play out and it is going to play out, but yeah, talking about Phil, it's just still just shocking to me that he, yeah, it's mind blowing that he went through them. But yep. anyway, Hey, listen, uh, we got to take a quick break. We'll come back. I uh, got some thoughts on uh, here at the end of the hour as we look back on some of the 25 years of golf here on Real Golf Radio, and then still to come on the back nine, hour number two, Dave Neville, Callaway Golf with the inside on the latest Paradigm Smoke, plus America's favorite caddy. Stay tuned. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Talking golf with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. One day you'll get it. Here's Brian and Bob. Welcome back. It's Real Golf Radio. Brian and Bob, stay tuned. The Back Nine, hour number two is coming up next. Appreciate you being alongside. RealGolfRadio.com is the website, at Real Golf on X, and Real Golf Radio on the other social channels. And be sure to search for us and download us wherever your favorite podcasts are found. You, you can subscribe, listen at the time that's most convenient to you. Tiger Woods and Nike split up. We're going to talk about this coming up on the back nine. Uh, Kevin Kisner on the Smiley Kaufman podcast and his story about playing the Phil in the President's Cup. Unbelievable. And what happens if you just got to go on tour and you decide to cozy up to a palm tree, not realizing that you're in the, you're right behind the shot of another player lining up a putt. You're on candid camera. (laughs) That happened this week out in Hawaii. Yes. So yep. we'll talk about all of that and welcome in Dave Neville from Callaway Golf and America's favorite caddy coming up on the back nine. Hour number two, we've got some stats and other things at the top of the hour, and then we'll kick it off. Stay tuned. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. <laughs> 